It's July 1956. Marilyn Monroe arrived in London on honeymoon with her new husband, Arthur Miller. She was to make The Prince and the Showgirl with Sir Laurence Olivier. It was meant to be a happy time. But when filming began, all did not go as hoped. Over time, Marilyn grew to hate Olivier, and the feeling was mutual. Coming up next on Lights, Camera, author Michelle Morgan talks about her new book, When Marilyn Met the Queen. So, Michelle Morgan, your new book is called When Marilyn Met the Queen. And this is uh, the story. It's not just about the meeting of the Queen. It's about mm -hmm. Marilyn's time in London, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, really, the Queen has a walk-on role in the in the actual book because the, the book is about the four months that Marilyn spent here. And there's a little bit about before and there's a little bit after, but mainly it's about um, the actual four months that she was here and the making of the Prince and the Showgirl and how she got on with Laurence Olivier and all that stuff. So it covers a, a quite a lot of information. Exactly, and uh, and I, you know I didn't realize until until recently, Marilyn and the Queen are the same age. Yes, they or are. would be the same age if if Marilyn was still with us. Yeah, that's right. It's just they're just a couple of months apart. Yes. Now, like you said, it's it's the story of the making of the Prince and the Showgirl, and. It actually starts even before Marilyn leaves for London because, um, you know, she had she had uh, announced her engagement to uh, Arthur Miller, which was a shock to everybody. <laughs> and um, then and then they got a quickie marriage um, and then flew over to London. Mm -hmm. So take us take us from the from the time I guess from the time that they announced their engagement to uh to when they were leaving for london um well it it, it did seem to be quite a, a rushed thing um arthur miller was being interviewed um outside the courthouse because he was um you know there was all the un-american activities committee all that stuff going on and so reporters had said to him why do you need your passport back and he basically said well i'm going to london with the woman who will be my wife and of course all the reporters had heard all the rumors so they said well you know who's that going to be is it going to be marilyn monroe and he said yes of course, that's true so then they they called a press conference to announce it officially and i mean the paparazzi were just everywhere by that point so they basically had to wait until the paparazzi went home and they sneaked out of their house and had their civil ceremony. And then a couple of days later, they had their um, the actual Jewish ceremony. And then short, very shortly after, just a, a couple of weeks after, they flew off to London. So it all happened quite quickly. Yeah, and then when they got over, when they got over to London, uh, didn't they have another another ceremony? No, no I thought they, they did for some reason. I thought they were. I thought they had another. Uh, ceremony to be married but prince and the showgirl this was the first movie which was all marilyn's production company mm -hmm. she uh you know she was the one who who got it from the stage to the film uh she could did she want Laurence olivier as as the lead in that movie well her film produ production company bought the sleeping prince the rights to sleeping prince from terence rattigan and she did want Laurence Olivier as an actor. She wasn't 
so sure about him as a director but he wanted to direct it as well and um you know in the end they they just went <laughs> along with that um his production company was also involved with it i mean him and terence terence rattigan rewrote the script um to become the prince and the show girl and he um you know he was very much the boss on set to to such a point that many of the people that i spoke to said that at the time they didn't even realize that it was Marilyn Monroe Productions and um, that because Laurence Olivier was the boss and you know his production company was involved as well and they didn't think that Marilyn had anything other to, to do than, than act um, you know when they, they were quite surprised later on when it was released and it said Marilyn Monroe Productions they didn't really know much about it quite a few people told me that yeah and the and you mentioned how you know um Lawrence Olivier was the boss. And I got the feeling also that Marilyn thought she may have been the boss also because they kind of bumped heads pretty regularly. Well, they did, yes. I mean, the, the problem started when it was going to be rehearsals and Marilyn wasn't a huge fan of rehearsals anyway. And she went into them. And the thing was that many of the people that were involved in the production had also been involved either with the Sleeping Prince um, play or with other films and plays that Laurence Olivier had done. So they all knew each other. They were all kind of a family. And he introduced Marilyn in what she considered to be a patronizing way, talking about how her method of acting was going to be very different to, her, to their style of acting and that it would take a little while for everybody to settle down. And she just thought that that was a bit patronizing. And so from that moment on, she was kind of questioning, you know, where, where this was going and um and after that everything that that happened on the set you know if, if he said something that she didn't like then they they definitely bumped heads and and he became frustrated too because of her timekeeping and you know there was um many 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 times when she was late at, um very very rarely was she ever on time i mean i don't think that there was ever a time when you know she walked on the set when she was supposed to and, and stayed there for the entire day and everyone was great I mean even when she was on time sometimes you know she would be walking off at some point and refusing to come back and it was just all a you know a bit of a, um, a shambles you know if you're standing waiting around in your costumes and wondering when when you're going to get home in the evening or when you're even going to start work in the morning it can be very frustrating so it's frustrating for everybody but particularly it seems for Laurence Olivier yeah and um <laughs> excuse me he was um you know he also was he keeping a um I was reading on the on the internet movie database was he keeping a book about how many takes uh, Marilyn Monroe would would have to take for all for a certain scene well, there were certainly a lot of notes taken in in that production. I I had um, access to the Lawrence Olivier files, and there was one particular document which was um, really invaluable to me. But I can't believe that they actually did it. It was a document about how many times Marilyn was late, what time she came on the set, how many times she walked off. Um, you know, all those things. It counted up all of the minutes. It would be like you know. Marilyn late by 43 minutes it was always you know to the precise minute and um time held up on set you know 23 minutes it was it was just amazing that there was somebody actually there noting down to the precise minute 
how late Marilyn was and when she was um, holding things up on set. So there was a lot of notes being taken about her. And um, so I'm not actually not surprised that she she was frustrated <laughs> on the set because, you know, it's not nice to think that people are, are watching you and writing down on their clipboards, you know, notes about you. That's that's not nice. Especially since she was since it was her production company, they were not going to fire her. I mean, she was in charge of the production. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of seemed like a, a fruitless gesture there. Um, but let's be honest, though, Marilyn had, had several issues going on during the filming of that movie or during her time in London. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, she, uh, you know, she was on medication. Her weight kept fluctuating. Her, uh, uh, she suffered a miscarriage while she was over in London. That's questionable. Is that questionable? Yes. She had lots of, she had gyne gynecological issues for sure. I've seen the, the, the doctor's invoice. Um, not one invoice that I've seen said that she had a miscarriage. Um, and also when she went back to America, um, she, she saw a doctor, that I think it was the, a year or two later, and um, his, his records have, have come to light since then. And it notes various things that, that went on in um, in London, and then it notes a miscarriage in 1957. It doesn't note a miscarriage in 1956. So my feeling is that she was suffering from endometriosis, which she had suffered from for her entire adult life, and she was definitely seen to by gynecologists in London. And they they came to Parkside House where she was living to examine her. But there's there's no evidence, there's no concrete evidence that she was actually pregnant while she was making the film. Um, but also in your book, she you were talking about how she's used to Marilyn's used to hotel rooms, mm -hmm. um, small 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 rooms, even though in nice hotels. But in London, she was in a cottage, I guess you would call it, a, or a mansion, yeah. would be a better term for it. And that did not that did not sit well with her, did it? Now, was she expected a, a, a little cottage with, you know, roses around the door and a little picket fence, that kind of, you know, English thatched roof kind of chocolate box thing. And um, she didn't get it. She got a, a big mansion that came with a team of staff. Um, they all, you know, some of them lived on the, the grounds and there was lots of people in and out all of the time. And um, yeah, it was a, it was just a bit of a shock to her, I think. And the fact as well that there was you know there was press all around it wasn't it was a private place in that there was a driveway and there was a gate but you know the press were were able to scale the gate and get through the bushes and all those kind of things and they would often be found wandering in the the gardens or even at one point um two journalists actually scaled up onto the roof and dangled over to try and get a picture of Marilyn in her bedroom uh -huh. so it, it was um it was crazy it wasn't a very private place really i mean i'm sure if, if, if whoever lives there now it's very private but when you're a superstar and everybody wants to see you there are definitely there was definitely ways that that they could get onto the property without being noticed for a little while at least it sounds like what princess diana went through with the paparazzi yes it's quite similar actually yeah, now now she uh, you know, like you say in your book the book is called when Marilyn when Marilyn met the queen tell me a little bit about how that meeting came about that's that's the cover, by the way. It is. That's that's the American <laughs> cover. Um, well, Marilyn desperately wanted to meet the Queen. I mean, from the moment she she arrived, she was quite fascinated by her, and um, one of her assistants was 
was always asked, you know, what what's the best place to to shop to buy um, gloves like the Queen or you know um, perfume like the Queen, all this kind of thing. So she was quite fascinated by it. And then she decided that she would really like to meet the Queen and that she wanted to go to Buckingham Palace and have tea and you know that kind of thing. And so one of the publicists found it on his to-do list and he presented it to Laurence Olivier who quickly scrubbed it off and said, no, absolutely not, this isn't happening. He knew the royals, you know, he asked, I think actually, I think that he thought he was one of the royals in all honesty. <laughs> um, but there was no way that he wanted the, the meeting to happen. However, there was going to be a Royal Command performance um, in October and the, the people around the Queen who, who were uh, organising this, they, they thought that Marilyn was an ideal choice of celebrity to, to meet the Queen and that's how it happened. So it was one cold uh, autumn night in October in London in the Empire Theatre in Leicester Square and Marilyn was there, a host of other celebrities were there too. Um, and the, the Queen came and she, she, you know, everyone lined up, she came up the line and, and met Marilyn and they talked about being neighbours because the Queen lived in Windsor and Marilyn lived in Englefield Green, which is right next to it. So they chatted about that and Marilyn told her about her bike rides in the park and, all, you know, th it was just a very sweet conversation. And afterwards, Marilyn said that the Queen was very sweet and she really liked her. And when she was going home, she actually said that the two highlights of the trip were meeting the Queen and going to see Arthur Miller's play. So, um, yeah, that, that was the, the nicer things about being in London for Marilyn. She didn't mention the, the highlight of the trip being the making of the film. She just liked meeting, Marilyn, uh, meeting the Queen and the Arthur Miller play. Now, you, uh, you said you talked to a lot of people involved in the movie. Um, I didn't realize, I mean, this movie was, was made quick math here 56 about that was a uh, 66 <laughs> years ago yes were there a lot of people still surviving from that from that film well this is the thing this book was the first book that I ever wanted to write when I was 22 years old 30 years ago it was the first book I ever ever wanted to write because I was a, a, a Marilyn fan I was a British Marilyn fan Marilyn came to Britain so therefore I wanted to find out more about it um, it didn't happen at the time. Nobody wanted to publish it at the time. But over the years, I just kept on doing my research and kept on interviewing people. So a lot of the people in the book were interviewed back in 1992 and then again in 1995 and then a little bit later. And then now um, 2020, I think was the last or 2021 was the last uh, people that I interviewed. And so... Um, obviously, many, many of the people that I interviewed um, have gone, very sadly. But when I was researching in 2020, there were some people still left, including uh, Jerry Giroux, who was the publicist. And unfortunately, he's, he's since passed away. But he told me some, some really good stories for the book. I spoke to him for a long, long time. He was a, he was a real character. So that, that's been the, the greatest thing about this book, that if I'd started it in 2020, I wouldn't have had all these people that, that I had interviewed. It was just because I started it actually in 1992 that I did have all these different interviews that I'd already done with, with people who very sadly now gone, but you know now their memories are alive and their, their memories can inform uh, people for years to come, which is a lovely thing. 
Is there a story that surprised you about this, about when you were doing your research? Uh, there, there were so many stories, but I think particularly um, the fact that the way that Britain reacted to Marilyn being here, like the, it, it, it just everything was like Marilyn crazy. You know, they, they had like Marilyn lookalike competitions, Marilyn dance competitions. Everyone wanted Marilyn to come and open their supermarket or their nightclub or their, their garden party or whatever it was. Everybody wanted something to do with Marilyn. And I uncovered so many stories of Marilyn being mentioned like in the House of Commons, um, being mentioned by councillors. Like there was one councillor who wanted Marilyn to advertise British beef. It was just like, <laughs> it, was a, it was a really strange thing. But, um, you know, I, I imagine like all these people sort of in a, in a meeting and him standing up and going, excuse me, I've got an idea. You know, it's just like really <laughs> funny things like that. And then there was um, there was a story about two girls who were fighting in the street and they had they were taken to court because one of them said that the other one uh, dressed like Marilyn or walked like Marilyn or something. And they got into a fight and it all went to, it was just like the craziest <laughs> thing. Um, but that that's what I really liked about this. I mean, obviously I loved researching all the Marilyn stuff. I loved, I loved finding out how she affected everybody else from, from the people who met her in Englefield Green, where she lived, to the people who never ever met her but dreamed about meeting her and it was just you know it was a complete honor to write this book and I just absolutely loved every single little minute of it. How did you get into I know this is your third Maryland book that you've talked about on on this show um, how did you get interested in Marilyn Monroe? Well it was back in um, 1985 and I, I, I was a huge Madonna fan. And of course she did the, mm -hmm. um, the Material Girl video where she wore Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend dress and it was all sort of Marilyn related. And so Marilyn was on my radar. I knew Marilyn obviously, because everybody knows Marilyn, but she sort of became on my radar at that point. And then I saw a Marilyn film, um, River of No Return. I watched that film and quite thought it was quite good. And then we went on holiday, I was 15. And it was me and my mum and dad and my brother. And we went on holiday and I saw a postcard of her. And it was a postcard of her um, blowing a kiss to the camera and with a gold dress on. And I said to my dad, I think I'm going to buy a Marilyn book to read on the beach because I think that she's quite interesting. So I bought a Marilyn book to read on the beach. And I've, it's, it, in fact, it's right here. Uh -huh. This is the very book that I bought. And it still actually has my my homemade bookmark in it which says Marilyn on it oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I bought this book and took it to the beach and as soon as I started reading it that was it I was completely hooked I, I couldn't believe that there was that such a woman ever existed she was just such an inspiration to me and I remember going into a shop this was when we were still on holiday and there was a huge postcard collection about Marilyn lots of different pictures and I bought every single postcard and picture and I remember my mum saying to me you know just be careful that you're not that you're not spending all your holiday money on you know on a whim and a little did she know and little did I know that you know what was going to happen after that um exactly. I just yeah it was just it was just immediate as soon as I started reading that book it was just immediate love I just I can't describe it and there was a recent uh, documentary uh, here in the States on, on the network HBO 
which talked about um which was maryland um based but i what i learned from that was that and i'm learning from your book also is that she uh she was very active in controlling her own image mm-hmm. and i did not realize how much she uh she worked to maintain that and it sounds like in the book she was doing that also you know at the movie the prince and the showgirl because she wanted to look a certain way and she wanted the film to look a certain way so mm-hmm. she was involved in all aspects wasn't she yes she was and i mean that caused a bit of a problem as well because one of the publicists showed her a picture that they had released from the set um of Laurence olivier directing her and they released it to the press and um, he showed her the picture in the press and she was like who told you that you could put this picture out because she didn't like it and he was like oh i thought you already knew and sort of backed off and um, he was instructed after that to to not show her any pictures before they went out which i think is very wrong um she should have had an active part in it but after that she used to get her her people to go through any publicity pictures that she saw on the set and and approve or disapprove um you know the one the ones that she didn't like she they would they would score out and so yeah she 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 wanted to be seen in a in a certain way and you know who can blame her i mean she she was very insecure at times you know there was times when she was on the set and she thought that she had a little tummy which is crazy to me because she's just perfect when i when i look at her but she would you know she would get the the cameraman to to shout out a code word for her so that she remembered to suck her tummy in and, and, and things like that. So she, she, was, she was quite insecure about how she looked, um, which is astounding to me because she's always, she always looks wonderful as far as I can see. Tell me, what's your next book gonna be about? I don't know. I mean, um, well, I'm working, I'm just about to start working on another novel. I've just written, uh, I've got a few books coming out for, um, well, I'm not allowed to really speak about them, but um, yeah, little mini projects that are coming out in the next year or two. And um, I mean, you know, I never say never to writing about Marilyn. And if, I mean, I've been really lucky that so many publishers have have asked me to to write about Marilyn over the, the years. And so if, you know, if a good project comes my way that's Marilyn related, then I would absolutely say yes. But I've got no plans of my own to write any Marilyn books at this point. But never say never because she's my happy place and i i love writing about her it's a complete joy well i tell you michelle i tell you what, it's been fun talking to you again the book is called when marilyn met the queen and it's about there it is <laughs> and this is the uk cover as well so we've got two different ones this is oh, american okay do you have a, yes an american and uk version wow that's pretty cool, yeah. cool. so what, why was the difference in covers or is that normal well, because it's two different publishers. Publisher. Um, yeah. So okay. it was published by uh, Robinson Little Brown in the UK and by Pegasus in America. I see. Okay. Well, I tell you, what, Michelle, I appreciate you taking time again to be on Light to Camera Author. And I hope we can talk again pretty soon. I hope that too. It's been great. Thank you. Right, thank you.